Siempre que te pregunto que cuando, como y dónde, tú siempre me respondes, quizás, quizás, quizás. Y así pasan los días y yo desesperado y tú, tú contestando. Quizás, quizás, quizás. Estás perdiendo el tiempo pensando, pensando. Por lo que más tú quieras, hasta cuándo, hasta cuándo. Y así pasan los días y yo desesperado. Tú, tú contestando Quizás, quizás, quizás Welcome back everyone to another exciting episode of Anime Was Not a Mistake. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dan Ryan, a proud warrior here to swear fealty to the good King Jonathan, and mm. I pray that nothing bad ever happens mm -hmm. to him. No, we would nothing. be We would be so heartbroken. Yeah. Uh, Want to tell them about yourself a little bit? Um, I'm nominated for the Palm to... <laughs> I'm Jonathan Kwiatkowski. Very good, very yep. good. Um, we, well, we do have to talk about that film festival, I think. What film? Oh, there was another con or it something. Was a con, with, yeah. Uh, uh, Scorsese's new movie, which is apparently brilliant. Yes. With Leo DiCaprio and then someone getting applause. Not from that movie. That didn't deserve applause for that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. A few, a few things. Uh, one main thing in particular. Yeah. Um, but uh, you, uh, as we do every year, mm -hmm. we're doing Anna Masterpiece and a masterpiece and a masterpiece because it's theater, in May. You see, <laughs> um, where we bring uh, one, you know, a live action movie or a couple yeah. live action movies a piece. Yeah. Uh, this time, I think we're doing one. just one. This month was packed. Yes, yeah. and we we have a lot of anime that we m must get back to. Yes. Um, but you know. I did a lot of thinking over the past week. I had one pretty much set in place, mm -hmm. but I decided to switch to something that's actually much more fitting at the last moment. Interesting. Uh, that I am actually much more excited to share. Yeah. It is not necessarily a prestige pick. All right, that's uh, fine. But it is, you know, I did make sure that I found something with good critical reviews mm -hmm. um, in its own right. Mm -hmm. uh, and that film is, not, is none other than... Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, giant all-out monsters, or giant monsters all-out attack. Wow, what a mouthful. We're returning to the monsters, huh? We are. Yeah! Uh, but this actually has a few connections to movies that we viewed previously on the podcast, mm. uh, and I'll get into it when we get into it, but it doesn't really rely on any other movie to be viewed. Okay. So, very excited, obviously, to get into it. Um, but do we have any anime life or video game news to discuss before we get started? I got nothing, Dan. Nothing but the big, uh, Triforce Kuroke in the room. Yes. That's the only thing I got to discuss this week. I think we have both exclusively with our free time been playing yeah. Tears of the Kingdom. All day yesterday. Um, fantastic. <laughs> I'm at ten hearts. Yeah, me too. <laughs> mm. And we're just having a having a grand old time mm -hmm. with that game. It is, I don't know. It just really brings me back to like when Breath of the Wild first came out. Yeah, how comfy it was to just like sit there and explore shit and find more shit. Mm -hmm. and I don't know. It's just such a great game. Yeah, 
I can't say anything better about it than I already have. I'm only on the overworld. I'm refusing to go into the underground yet. It's um, scary. It's scary, and there's too much to explore right now. I need to feel more confident going in there. I need more bright bulbs, or whatever they're called. <laughs> well, you gotta, you know, if you want all those special costume sets, I know. you gotta gotta yeah. go searching down Into there. the depths. And sometimes you can find treasure maps and yeah. stuff. Um, but interestingly, in my playthrough, I guess we could say a few things we've been doing. Sure. I've been hunting down Kuroks for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not do that in the first game. I think I had like 126 in the first game. Mm-hmm. I'm already at 100 in this game. And I'm just staying in that central Hyrule area going from Kurok to Kurok. Uh, yeah, Korok to Korok, if, if, if that's, that's how we pronounce it. How you want to do it, by all means. Yeah. Um, additionally, I've beaten two Phantom Ganons. Okay. Yeah, okay. I did that without, you know, showing my skill to yeah. myself. I I don't believe I have fought a Phantom Ganon yet. Oh, have you seen the creepy hands though? Yes. All right. Got to watch those hands, Dan. Yeah, though no, the hands are the hands are nightmare fuel. Mm-hmm. Um my playstyle so far has been um slowly going through the regional phenomenon okay. quests, the ones that lead you to the temples. All right. Um but slowly, because I'll, like, do some of one and then go hunting for some clothes in the underground. Mm-hmm. And that has mostly been my cycle, to, to go do those, look for more outfits, and then also look for those tears that contain yeah. the flashbacks. Yeah, those memories, man. What's Zelda doing in a different time? And, and Just as we predicted. And I, I am, quite frankly, loving... Yeah. Like, I know that there's been discourse online as to whether or not, you know, like, people are like, the diehards are like, oh, these don't really count as dungeons, but... Yeah, and that Zelda... I mean, she's doing things. She is. But we're not physically controlling her. Yes. That's something I've seen, but it's such a nitpick at this point. Because that would only yeah. double the game again. Yes. Uh, and, and, and people have pointed out that if she was going to get a quest at some point, maybe that could be DLC. DLC. Yeah. Um, but I'm really liking the setup of the of the temples they're not too I, complicated i haven't got there yet but they are dungeons they are dungeons yeah and and they follow each one follows a very similar pattern like it's do you know figure out your you know find your way through this structure activate four or five things mm-hmm. and then get access to the main area okay. to solve the regional crisis that's going on but even so for all of the mechanics that the game has i would assume that conventional dungeons wouldn't you know work yeah one-to-one but the ones that we have in this game like like obviously uh the, i've been going like last night i've been going through the fire temple mm-hmm. with the gorons love their plot mm-hmm. but the the fire temple has like a lot of minecart madness nonsense okay. and vol- you know you're in a volcano setting i would figure yeah I bet you there's minecarts involved you know there's uh, probably bombs and such yeah and the it's the dongos and exactly but it's it's um i don't know it's it's just very very creative and all designed to suit the abilities yeah. that you have i haven't gotten there yet but i hear that prince sidon you know he's he's married or engaged mm, he does yeah he's got a fiance i didn't get to say in that <laughs> get to stop the mowage it's like a green skate fish i object but she's very nice to you, so you feel bad if you're angry yeah, at her. She could be nice right off a cliff, right off that waterfall to side. And she helps Sidon get over his uh, his fear of loss. I'm sure it's a political wedding. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, she did say that she came from like outside the the, mm. the kingdom or whatever. Yeah. So maybe she's like that's why we didn't meet her before. But mm. it could be a political wedding. We don't know. Yeah. Well, wait uh, till I get her. <laughs> uh, you know, so a lot going on with Sidon, a lot mm. going on with the Rito. Mm-hmm. I have not ventured over to Gerudo territory yet. Uh, I I haven't either. The only place I dared to go was Hebra, which is the frosty region. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Impa was like, <laughs> there's something in the basement, and I think it's just gonna point me to the other glyphs yeah. that I've been finding already. So I think I'm gonna do that after I, like, clear out that center area, do that, and then go to a... Uh, the village, Hatano Village for fashion. Yes. Where I hear there's an election going on. It's a very fun little subquest. I, I think I'm going to love that. Um, I hear you get a hat. You have to. <laughs> a beautiful uh, hat. You do. And yeah. you have to You have to solve a fanoodling conspiracy while you're there yeah. to, to like, you know, to make sure that the election is happening on just terms. Mm. I, I think you'll you'll really love it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll do that and then maybe I'll head off to the first dungeon temple of course yeah. there's so much shit to do yeah just just thoroughly enjoying it mm-hmm. um so uh in terms of anime stuff yes uh the big thing this week was that uh we got the episode where rono zora yeah. fights you King. told me to mention this right uh, because last week yes i did um, i looked at that twitter beautiful animation very beautiful animation yeah. last week we got i think it was sanji and queen so it's obviously sanji gets the third strongest zoro gets the second mm-hmm. and we are building up to luffy's confrontation with kaido where gear five is going to be unveiled mm-hmm. and according to rumor uh they brought in animators from Warner Brothers <gasps> wow. to assist in the old-timey cartoon animation oh, that Gear Five offers. Wow. Okay. Uh, so it'll. I think it'll. I think it'll be pretty mind-blowing when that day finally arrives. You'll have to share me a video link. Of course. Yeah. Uh, other other than that, I think the the Mappa panel happened hmm. today or yesterday, where you know Chainsaw Man, Attack on Titan, mm. everything else was kind of showcased. Yeah. Um. I haven't seen so much come out of that, but I think they just, like, showed off some animation stuff. And... I think we got a Juju Kaisen season whatever trailer. Yes. Yeah. 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 I did not watch that yet, but that was that was happening over mm. the weekend. Um, do you... I, I mean, I can get into I, my other things. I have if... nothing, Dad. I'm sorry. Okay. And I won't have anything this week, either. I, I got... birthday week. <laughs> I, I do have... <laughs> <laughs> Too much cake to think. <laughs> I I do have a few I things. sure hope someone surprises me. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I'll never tell, mm. but do have a few things. Um, again, the vast majority of my week was playing Tears of the Kingdom as it uh, should be, and doing some art, but mm-hmm. mostly Tears of the Kingdom. Either way, my thumb is kind of Itching. fucked up because <laughs> uh, you know it's the same thing as when I was playing Hades. I mm. Don't want to damage my ligaments here, <laughs> hmm. uh, but you know I did manage to take a break to watch a few things. Okay, um, and I don't usually. I mean, we have plugged YouTube videos before, obviously. Yes. Uh, you've mentioned Bread Sword plenty of times. Great mm-hmm. content. Um, I am going to plug a video called "The Wise of Skywalker." So W H Y S of Skywalker mm-hmm. by a YouTuber called Empire Wreckers. Okay. Um, and, you know, sometimes just when I'm trying to get the creative gears turning, I do, like, look at shit on YouTube that, 
maybe is critical even of things that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't tend to go into, like, the full, like, oh, The Last Jedi killed me dad type <laughs> videos. Uh, but this is not one of those. This is a guy who, he takes a very in-depth look uh, using the leaked script, using uh, stuff that has come out through art books, which mm-hmm. I I ended up scooping myself because, as it turns out, there is actual art in that Rise of Skywalker art book. Mm. Um, and piecing it together with, like, interviews and, you know, how the artwork changes over time. You know, how did... Rise of Skywalker go from the thing that Colin Trevorrow was originally tossing around all the way up to uh, the final Rise of Skywalker that we got with J.J. Abrams. And if you are someone who is interested in, like, the conceptual elements of filmmaking, Mm -hmm. I I wholeheartedly recommend this video. Um, It is a fascinating look at kind of all of the concepts that you can kind of, like, spill onto the table when you're coming up with a story, but mm-hmm. then as time and production constraints kind of, like, weigh down on you, you're going to have to, like, move things around, you're going to have to cut plot points, you're going to have to refit and retrofit the script to, you know, cover the things that you're cutting, and it's... The way this guy outlined it, it was just, it was just really, really interesting to see. There were, you know, he pointed out that uh, there were entire swaths of plot stripped from Rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. for um, seemingly because the studio mandated that Palpatine comes back. Yeah. Uh, and For the, what reason? Because they <laughs> felt that he needed to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that idea, from point A to point B was kind of, it kind of went from Kylo comes across him in the the desolate ruins of Coruscant, and he's being reborn in this tank, and then perhaps Rey and him would have faced, like, some kind of more, like, eldritch Palpatine form in the depths of Coruscant or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the big stupid fleet of Star Destroyers with Death Star cannons mm. apparently originally started as... Um, kind of like a, 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 a top-of-the-line shipbuilding facility where the First Order had kind of automated it to, to absorb, like, planet matter and, and asteroids and so shit. So they didn't just copy and paste ships? No. Like uh, they did in the movie? Like they did in the movie. It was, it, in the original run-through, it was this very, in my opinion, awesome piece of artwork. Where Too much this, of a thinker for Star Wars. <laughs> it was like a like a huge shipyard in space that looked like the First Order logo, and it would take in, you know, uh, all of this strip-mined hmm. material, and then in the center, the Star Destroyers would gradually take shape. And the hmm. whole crux of the plot was that, uh, you know... Um, the little puppet alien who had become Babu Freak. Mm-hmm. If you remember him, I the don't. little tiny... I he don't. was the, the one who does the thing, the C-3PO. Mm-hmm. Uh, his race was going to be... They were going to be flies, and they were going to be... Since, you know, obviously the joke being that flies live for a very short amount of time, mm-hmm. that over the course of like a hundred generations of this guy's family... Uh, you know, since they had been treated like garbage by the Empire, they had developed, like, a failsafe to shut down the ships that they had been help- helping mm. to build. And that 
like plot MacGuffin turned into another plot MacGuffin, mm-hmm. which had to turn into another MacGuffin mm-hmm. that eventually turned into like the Sith Wayfinder yeah, thing the in compass, the final movie. A compass. Um, all kinds of things like that, like things related to Ray's family, like how like like how awkward that ended up being in the final. <laughs> what do you cut. mean awkward? It was brilliant. <laughs> and so just I I just wholeheartedly recommend it if you're interested in in you know kind of how in terms of a film it it can go from like paper to the final presentation and mm-hmm. it's just really interesting to see because there's all these these all of these points where it's like oh we'll all right we had to cut this part out of the script we're going to take this alien that we designed for this move them over here and then use one of their recycled designs for another alien and it was you know it was all all interesting to see how it comes together. Yeah. So, The Wise of Skywalker by Empire Records, okay. I remember. Uh, I advise checking out. All right. I also, um, I've been almost done with the season of The Great, season mm-hmm. three on Hulu. Um, and season three, episode six was like, they had a twist in there. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is a historically, based on history, sometimes factual show. Mm-hmm. Um Seldom factual, but once in a while it'll be like, oh, this was supposed to happen in history, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so they saved a big moment for season three, episode six. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I was like, oh shit, did not see that coming. Okay. Um, so it was a big reveal, and it had flawless acting from um, Elle Fanning. Okay. And, and the cast. I was like, oh, this is why Catherine is mad. Mm-hmm. Like, she's playing the insane character very well. Okay. That I I was just like, oh, this is wonderful. I mean, of course, I did go on the Reddit and everyone's like, oh, well, you know, ever since this twist happened now, I don't see where this show is going. Yeah, they don't know who Catherine the Great was. Or <laughs> well, no, it, it, what we thought was going to happen, we thought was going to happen like a season or two ago. Okay. okay. Yeah, but they, they switched things up. And okay. something different happened in the historical context of this show, mm-hmm. um, which was surprising. So, right. yeah. Yeah, check that out. I think it's good. I think they do a, a flawless performance, and I just don't get all the hate that this show... Well, it's not hate. It's more like curmudgeons online going like, bah, bah, bah. Yeah. season three. I don't know how much longer this show can last, right? but I think it's just constant quality from the whole cast, not just Elle Fanning and Nicholas Holt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the Redditors will always do that. That's mm-hmm. that's, well, that's why they're Redditors. Just, yeah. I don't trust them. No. <laughs> but maybe. Um... So, the other thing that I figured, uh, okay. Are we not touching that dial? No, we are. No, okay. no, we definitely right, are. I'll, I'll save that for last. Okay. Uh, the only other thing, I did watch Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Oh, it's wow. harmless. Mm. Wow, it, not even a, a good from you. It, feel, it feels like a Star Wars prequel. Yeah? It feels like the prequels, like, it feels like, uh, it's a bunch of people on they a get CGI shrunk. set. <laughs> Yeah, they get shrunk, very much so, and they go to the Quantum Realm, and Bill Murray is there, and it's okay. It is. It is. It is not terrible, but it is very much like a Spy Kids 3D game over. Like just people in front of green screens, old Martin Sheen in front of green screens, mm. Michelle Pfeiffer being awesome but doing stunts from behind because it's the, you know the double. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of stuff like that. Uh, the, the CGI really could have used some touching up in some spots, hmm. but yeah, I, it's a it's kind of like a campy ish movie if you hmm. if you if you like that. Um, 
probably doesn't deserve to be tossed in the bin, as some people were saying. I think uh, you have a gentle heart, Dan. But I, it, it probably won't be... I don't know if it'll be anyone's favorite, <laughs> but it's just interesting to check out, because, you know, if you enjoy the Ant-Man character, uh, most of his satellite cast is not in this, uh, but, like, Martin Sheen is there for the ride, obviously, Michelle Pfeiffer, and mm -hmm. Evangeline Lilly doesn't get a whole lot to do, mm -mm. and the new actress playing his daughter doesn't get a whole lot to do either mm. uh jonathan majors if he's even being kept in that yeah. role does get a lot to do but we'll see what happens with that mm -hmm. um so yeah it was a very i i will say that that it does a better job of setting things up than i saw a lot of redditors mm -hmm. giving it credit for like it does it does establish that like oh okay the guy, the Kang, that was imprisoned in the Quantum Realm is not the end-all, be-all, most dangerous. He was just one of them that wanted to, you know... It, he had a different ideology than all of his other variants, but all of them presumably are dangerous in their own ways, and that's the... Like, that's the crux of the whole thing, mm. is that even if you kill one of him, there's, like, unlimited variants of him out there who have the same power and are you know so it's <laughs> not because the way a lot of redditors were reviewing is like i don't like the the, the the strongest villain got taken down by ants <laughs> and it's like he's not the strongest but he was like he was a, a rebel within that group mm -hmm. who you know but they all presumably have similar power to him so we'll see what happens yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all i can say on that <laughs> but um it is time to touch that dial now. Oh boy. This past week, at Con, <laughs> uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny uh, premiered mm -hmm. uh, in, in the, in the razzle-dazzle, in the, in the glitz and glamour of being surrounded by the celebs and the palm trees and the, the gold. Uh, people, the original reports were that it was a beautiful movie and it received a standing <laughs> ovation. They everything at Con. I'm pretty sure I could get up and fart in my chair. And exactly. <laughs> and no, get exactly. A standing ovation at Con. A, a, with your experimental art piece. Yeah. Of the, yeah. It would be a three minute standing ovation, but it would be a standing ovation. And to be clear, but that that is exactly right. Yeah. It tends to be the case that most average films at Con get some kind of standing ovation yes. because it's like a big artsy showcase yeah. of this film. And the actors are there and they want to show their appreciation. We get it. Yeah. But I, I I saw it, and with with Tears of the Kingdom and everything else, I've lost all sense of time and space. And I'm like, what the fuck? Isn't, yeah. isn't Dial of Destiny like a month away? Mm -hmm. And it is a month away. Yeah. But the assumption is, is that they were going to bring it to Khan and it was going to blow people away. It was going to it was going to get that word of mouth going early <laughs> as such like an amazing movie. Well. And that that did not happen. No. It's sitting pretty at like I thirty three on Rotten Tomatoes. The year our Lord died. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Interesting to know. True, true. Um, but uh, you know, lower critical scores than today's movie, even. But it, I I am just so curious as to how all of this this came to. Well, be. you know, we're gonna have to do them. We are. We are. Yeah. It's our dial of destiny. It is our. Will dial you answer? Of destiny. Do you answer a dial? What does it mean? Are you spinning the phone? I. It, it, is it a soap bar? I preferred Clockwork Conundrum, but <laughs> I don't think that would sell as well. I think Dial of Destiny sounds better, but it doesn't make any sense. And like the point of the discourse, um, 
you know, going through people kind of trying to parse things out from the reviews that have come out. I haven't read them. I've just seen people say, ooh. But, like, months ago, uh, if if you get your news from this podcast, then God help you. But we did cover the leaked mm-hmm. plot outline yeah. um, that James Mangold tweeted about with a lot of quotes. Hmm. A lot of, like, things in quotations, like, no, indie will not die via time travel, in air quotes. No, we are not replacing Indiana Jones, in quotes. No, indie's movies still have, like... And I'm like, why the quotes, James Mangold? Why all the quotes? People with nothing to hide. Gan- <laughs> they wouldn't use quotations, Dad. Ganondorf uses quotes a lot. Yeah. Like, don't do that. that wind! Um, but the consensus seems to be that the ending, at the very least, has been reshot. Yeah. I've so. heard that it, like, some scenes are marvelously shot, like the mm-hmm. 90s, 80s movies that we've grown up with, mm-hmm. um, which is something that film needs to return to. But besides that, it's not been good. I hear that the the, the de-aging process is, is a, little, yeah. a little rough. And that it might be depressing at the end, yeah. which I think might be the re- like the reshot ending, I would assume, might be more melancholy than... Like you know, a happy, yeah. How they would have played their original ending string, mm-hmm. whatever that is. If the leaks were true, however that that you know would have panned out. At least Crystal Skull's getting the boost now. <laughs> and, and that's well, that's the thing yeah. about Crystal Skull is that you know I did I did do some thinking yesterday when I was. You I've know, only seen that movie once until we watched it on this podcast again. So, well, we gotta. Yeah, we, we I've must. seen all the other ones multiple times, but that one only once in theaters with my dad and. But it, but it did get me thinking because it's like this seems to be a Lucasfilm cycle. Is that we we started the two thousands? We got three controversial Star Wars films. Star Wars went into a period of dormancy, and we got a really bad Indiana Jones movie. Mm. Then a few years pass. We got four controversial Star Wars movies because Rogue One. Rogue One's the fifth one, but it was like it everyone count. seemed to like it. Yeah. Like ev- like everyone is is you know seems on the on board that that one was okay. So four bad Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. perhaps, and then a really bad Indiana Jones movie. So if this Ouroboros is continuing, if if this is the Link Zelda Ganondorf timeline mm-hmm. that that we are forced to live under. Mm-hmm. The next decade, and I would hope, will have five bad Star oh, Wars movies, yeah. and then an Indiana Jones movie that will kill people when they go to see it. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's uh, unless we can change destiny. I, I think, think that's yeah. what we're heading towards. I'm not going to use my effort to change that. <laughs> <laughs> like it, like we are on the tracks to that end. Let whatever die, that you know, it, it, it is. It, it's just something to consider because I'm history, sorry for your loss, Dan. <laughs> You know, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes, certainly. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's something to be aware of. Yeah. Uh, but I, I am curious to see what this final product is. I just wanted um, Phoebe Waller-Bridges to have success and fame. And I did, too. I mean, she could be fine. She could be, yeah. yeah she could be a fine point of this movie. Well, I won't know until I see. I, and that's like the like another... Give her a franchise. That's what I want. Give no. her this franchise. I, exactly. Just keep hunting for relics in like a serial pulpy... Yeah. type setting and then you'll get like a you know phoebe waller could definitely pull off like a snarky main yes. hero and just yeah. do you've that you've seen fleabag yes yeah. loved it but 
but that's another valid worry that people are bringing up is like, okay, if this movie doesn't get a great response and it, you know, God forbid it doesn't do really well at the box office, um, then we're never going to see these characters again. They always say that. I think they'll come well, back. No, we'll see Indiana Jones again, but we're not seeing we're not seeing Mutt. We're not seeing Marion. We're not seeing any of the weirdos from Crystal Skull Damn, again. It's fine. They're old. <laughs> They're aging. Let them what, go. Shia LaBeouf? What? Let them go. Well, <laughs> you don't need them. Well, they probably don't want Shia LaBeouf yeah. for other reasons, but but it's like you if know. you love them, Dan, let them go. No, but that's a, but Phoebe Waller Bridge wouldn't be elderly. It would no, just yeah. be like well, not her. It would just be like if this movie doesn't get stellar reviews, and it's like they're just gonna wipe the slate clean again. I and don't. Then, yeah. And then ninety year old yeah. Indiana, like ninety year old Harrison Ford, will be in another attempt Oof. in ten years, that would and then be that's rough. like yeah. I don't. I don't see any other. They, they don't seem to have any other course besides to keep attempting this. Mm. Uh, which, again, I just, I don't know why. Just put, like, a like a snarky Person. woman or side, yeah. like, just, it's just, like, have them hunt for relics. There's all these relics <laughs> that nobody's ever gone after. Punch a Nazi, hunt a relic, that's all you need. Or just, if you need Indy, just, like, reboot it with a younger guy and have him, like, oh, these are all his adventures in between the, you know, the 40s. Just don't make it Gal Gadot. No, I'm not going to. Please, play. God. She could be, like, a villain at some point. <laughs> no. But, um, yeah, I saw you retweet the enough champagne to fill an aisle. It's not my fault. That person was like, can I be frank? Gal Gadot can't fucking act. And I was like, ooh, just for me. But I guess we'll see. But, well, I mean, we'll see what happens. I, well, we I have mean, to do I, those movies. Maybe we'll mirror them. Yeah. yeah. No, well, definitely. Yeah. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean... Really, this uh, this thing with 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 Indiana Jones is probably going to be the last. I, I well, I know the Ahsoka series comes out in August, but then this this writer's strike might push things back by a little bit. Mm. Um, so I guess we'll see how they kind of scramble to pick up the pieces. Because famously, you know, Lost collapsed. Yeah, pushing daisies was taken away. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what what uh, what happens this time, but. I don't know. I got a bad feeling. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> but I don't have a bad feeling about today's masterpiece. Well, there you go. Theater. Yeah. Uh, no tangent for today. No. I've been working on a lot of art in the background. And who but... knows if there's a tangent next week? Maybe. Sweet. I don't know. Um, maybe but, not. Yeah. We'll 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 cook some stuff up. But I am yeah. working on multiple different art pieces. I've just been delayed because of Zorda. So mm-hmm. we'll get back yeah. to you with more of that stuff. Yep. Um, but today. We are going into the drawing board, Guardian Monster Edition. I'm happy to be back. So, uh, today, drawing board, he's he's crafted out of wood. Um, he, you know, he's, he's labeled with a lot of little swirly designs. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's written on him in ink. There seems to be some prophecies going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, and drawing board himself seems to be the god of trivia now. Oh, that is, that is wow. or, or at least, that's what the people believe him to be. Okay. Um, a false idol of sorts. Yes, yeah. but but he he in terms of trivia, that is his place in nature. Mm. Um, so originally released in two thousand one, Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah: Giant Monsters All Out Attack is the twenty fifth entry in the Godzilla franchise wow. and the third film in the Millennium Era. Uh, GMK is the first and only Godzilla film to be directed by uh, Susuke uh, Kaneko. Uh, he had previously directed the 
Hisei-era Gamera films, oh. uh, including Gamera 3, Awakening of Iris, which we watched yes. last Animasterpiece. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Uh, so that was actually an unintentional connection. Yeah, you but, did that on purpose, didn't you? But it ended up it ended up connecting pretty nicely because, mm-hmm. uh, once again, this, this is a returning director to this segment. Um... So, why this film, usually we save this to the end, but I yeah. wanted to preempt it now. Why this film? Uh, we will definitely start Godzilla's Hisei era at some point, because okay. I love those movies. Yeah. I have so much to say about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first film in that series, 1984's The Return of Godzilla, while I love it, was critically savaged in both Japan and the States. <laughs> um, and it has more, like, bumbling trivia facts than... <laughs> than serious ones. Um, So that movie will be a lot to unpack, but it will be better, I I assume, to just put that with its sequels when we just do the rest of the Hisei era. Mm -hmm. I was going to do it as like, oh, this will be a teaser for when we do that, but now it's just like, we'll do this one instead. Um, Every film in the Millennium era, however, is a standalone movie uh, that only, in, in in varying degrees has the original 1954 film as canon. Okay. So, uh, every... Split timelines. Exactly. Just existing in these films. So, it, it's... I, I, the only exception to that are, like, the Godzilla against Mechagodzilla duology, which uh, canonize Mothra and a bunch of other mm-hmm. uh, smaller Toho movies, because they wanted to, like, reference them with stock footage and stuff. Uh, but other than that, they are all standalone uh, and, like, the directors were given the opportunity to kind of do whatever they wanted. Um, so, uh, but why GMK specifically? It is my, by far my favorite of this era, mm. and it is also a fan favorite of the era due to its darker and more mystical tone. Uh-huh. Uh, after the lukewarm responses to Godzilla 2000 and Godzilla vs. Megaguirus, uh, Kaneko was hired to do something different. An early version of the film had Godzilla facing an updated version of Kamakuras, a mantis kaiju uh, who had appeared way back in the Showa era and made repeated appearances back then, usually as like a lackey, not doing too much. Not Octopu or whoever? Utaku. I'm sorry. Uh, But, uh... (laughs) Correct it again. (laughs) But uh, apparently, uh, this version of Kamakuras would have been portrayed with a combination of, like, suit work and CGI. Mm. And Kaneko kept emphasizing that, oh, we'll we'll do something big with special effects to get him. Mm -hmm. Uh, However... Uh, the previous film, which by that point was almost finishing production, had Megagirus. She is a giant dragonfly mm. kaiju, um, and they figured that doing two insects in a row would be redundant. Okay. So he went back to the drawing board, as it were. Uh, Kaneko's next idea was to have Godzilla face a mutated astronaut-turned-kaiju known as M. And I think that was a reference to an Ultraman episode that he happened to like. Hmm. Uh, the film would have made full use of the Millennium Era's alternate timelines concept, being set in an alternate Republic of Japan that existed in another reality. Okay. Uh, Kaneko dropped this idea as while he was developing the story, I think it's, he said that the ending became too depressing, like mm-hmm. he didn't like working in this other world that didn't have like stakes for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, back to the drawing board again. Eventually... Uh, Kaneko chose to redesign three existing kaiju to represent the elements of the Earth. 
in order to emphasize Godzilla's immense power uh, in this version, Kaneko selected kaiju that were generally considered ordinary, quote-unquote, uh, compared to the King of the Monsters. Uh, the original Guardian Monsters, complete with uh, specific to this movie mythical-sounding titles, mm -hmm. uh, were set to be Anguirus, who mm -hmm. we've met before on mm -hmm. this podcast, mm -hmm. Godzilla's little buddy, mm -hmm. originally enemy-turned-buddy. Yep. Uh, he would have received the title The Golden Freezing Monster, and uh, he, you know, he would have been... He kind of fits the bill for an average monster. Uh, Anguirus, as we noted before, is very popular in the West, but not so much in Japan. Mm. Uh, the next monster, who we have mentioned before but never appeared on this podcast, is Baragon, mm. given the title The Red Flame Monster. Uh, he's, again, been mentioned, never got an appearance. Uh, this subterranean kaiju first appeared in the 1965 Toho film Frankenstein vs. Baragon, uh, uh, which was a repurposed Godzilla script hmm. where they decided to just create a new monster to pit against the Frankenstein monster. <laughs> Frankenstein's monster, yeah. Um, that kind of concluded with the two of them falling into, like, a volcano. Huh. Um, the original... Baragon suit was then lent to Subaraya Productions to be altered and used as different kaiju in the Ultra Q television series. That was a that was a common occurrence with a lot of the Godzilla suits. They were rented to these, you know, television studios, and depending on how drastic the changes were, they would sometimes have, you know, unfortunately come back in not great shape, mm -hmm. uh, as was the case with with Baragon. Um, in 1968, the suit was returned to Toho and restored uh, just in time for Baragon's appearance in Destroy All Monsters. Um, it, it doesn't really specify why this is the case, but it could just be that the suit restoration process really ran up against the filming of the movie. Mm -hmm. So even though his suit was ready, Baragon was kept on the sidelines in that movie. He, he appears in a couple establishing shots, and then... Uh, in the background of the final Destroy All Monsters fight, he's on the sidelines with a few others um, observing what's going on, uh, presumably because they didn't want to risk damaging the suit. Um, Baragon remains very popular with Japanese fans, and he is the clear inspiration for the Pokemon Nido King and Nido Queen, mm -hmm. and probably Rhydon to some example, to some extent. Uh, but Baragon is notable for his big ears that can cover his face to, like, shield him from, uh, the dirt. <laughs> and from beams and such. He has a glowing bioluminescent horn, and in some cases he can shoot fire out of his mouth. Huh. Um, the final of these three Guardian monsters would have been Varan, given the title The White Wind Monster. I don't think we've ever talked about Varan on here. Uh, he is obscure. Uh, Varan is a triphibian kaiju who originally appeared in the 1958 Toho film of the same name. Uh, in that film, Varan was kind of a local folklore mm -hmm. creature who was awakened from, you know, uh, beneath this lake. He, you know, terrorized some some part of Japan mm -hmm. before being uh, defeated. Um, but that had been his only film appearance mm. up until that point. Um his notable trait is that he's able to fly like a like a flying squirrel, mm -hmm. and sometimes his moniker is, jokingly or not, the flying squirrel kaiju, but he mm -hmm. does look like a lizard. Uh, 
So, uh, Varan also returned and destroyed all monsters, but he remained on the sidelines with Baragon. Uh, this was because his original suit and puppet had been left in the Toho storehouse for decades. Yeah. And Well, no, they did find them, but they were in no way able to utilize them. Uh, they were both too damaged for any up-close shots. Mm -hmm. So, I think in Destroy All Monsters finale... Uh, Baragon is chilling on the side, and the Varan puppet is, like, perched on a mountaintop in the way, way background, uh, because they couldn't do any close-ups of it. Um, so, again, he, he lost his shot at stardom that mm -hmm. time. Uh, Varan remains obscure, yet popular, because he lost, narrowly lost, multiple film roles throughout the 1970s. Wow, uh, that always happens, right? There's always someone younger and prettier than you on the stairs. Yeah. Even for kaiju. Yeah. Every every starling <laughs> yeah. knows it. Yeah. But uh, the main thing is that throughout the years in interviews, like when they were talking about, okay, this next, you know, Godzilla film is going to be this. Uh, it's going to be Godzilla Varan and King Ghidorah. I think that script evolved into the Godzilla versus Gigan that we watched. Mm -hmm. uh, but Varan, it kept almost like a running joke kept coming up like oh he's gonna be we'll bring him back for this one we'll bring him back for this one mm -hmm. and Varan never got to come back ever um so uh if you want to look further into this mm -hmm. uh in terms of what they might have looked like when you you know uh search up Anguirus Varan Baragon GMK or whatever there is one uh picture of three little sculptures that the film's monster designer made of how these three would have looked. They are very cool little sculptures. They look sort of like the statues and artwork that you would find in a Japanese temple. Mm. Uh, so they, they they hit that sweet spot, and it would have just been that made physical. Mm -hmm. um, very cool designs. Mm. So, but, uh, but, but things were not meant to be. Um, Toho executives asked that Anguirus and Varan be replaced with Mothra and King Ghidorah. You know, gotta bring out the big guns. Who were much more bankable. Yeah. yeah. And also, apparently, yeah. another con consideration was that they were bioluminescent. Baragon... Betty Javis and Joan Crawford, right there. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. I was hoping you would... I, I made a note to try to get you to make that. But well, yeah, you so that's, didn't need to, Dan. There we go. Um, but... Apparently, bioluminescence was also a factor. Like, Baragon can glow, Mothra glows, and King Ghidorah has lightning and shit. So <laughs> they wanted, you know, we, we need these bankable monsters in the movie, and, you know, they need to, it needs to be a show. We mm -hmm. need to make a show of it. Um, according to inside sources, Kaneko, upon receiving this news, is said to have paused for about 15 minutes mm -hmm. and then agreed to the change. Mm. So perhaps he, he took a moment to reflect. We had to say goodbye to the cool little <laughs> monsters, and we uh, got the just like Indy. Got to let that go, Dan. Got to uh, move on. Got to move on. Yeah. Uh, but still, in order to maintain Godzilla's imposing and villainous role in the planned story, uh, both Mothra and King Ghidorah were depowered and scaled down. Oh, great! So now the guardian monsters were finalized as Baragon, God of the Earth. He keeps his role uh, mostly unchanged. Mothra becomes god of the sea. Uh, her her mm, larval. I don't know if moths go with sea. They don't. I'm gonna get she to that. She does fly. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm gonna. Mm, I will get to that. Yeah, that um, debatable. But Mothra is the god of the sea. Her larval form appears in local legends as a lake monster. Mm. And the only way that I can see this slightly working is because some insects lay their eggs in I, water. I'm but not, that's like I'm that's not it, the most 
tenuous. Uh, I don't even think they try to, like, give Mothra any, like, special water, yeah, water, water traits. Guns, yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, uh, again, I don't know why they just didn't go with titles. Well, then clearly the... Godzilla's got of the air, because we saw him fly in that one movie. Well, no, but... On that note, Ghidorah is god of the sky in this yeah, film. Yes, Dan. It makes uh, sense. This film is he has the... wings, you see. <laughs> uh, this film is the only time that Ghidorah ever gets to be the hero. Oh, good! Uh, I love him! He's evil, he's a bitch most of the time, but I'm glad to see him. He gets, you know. to, he gets to step outside of his comfort like zone that. as yeah, an actor yeah. and do, do something different. Yeah. Like a little, yeah. Good uh, deed. This iteration of the character is said to be the mythical Orochi, uh, but he only has time to regrow three heads instead of eight oh. <laughs> due to being reawakened prematurely. Yeah, due to budget. No, it's it's it. Like, like oh, if if we had had, you know, if we had waited until the prophesized time, he <laughs> yeah, would have had time heads, to grow yeah. eight heads. But yeah. it's uh, only got three. So, it's cute. Um, as a side note... Monster designer uh, Fuyuki Shinada was apparently so disappointed in Varan being excluded yet again oh my gosh. that he incorporated some of the monster's features onto Ghidorah's heads. Okay. So when you, if there's like up close, when there's up close shots of Ghidorah in this movie, you can vaguely see parts of They're the Varan's same familiar. Because yeah. Varan kind of had like a kappa design, mm -hmm. so you can kind of see that in Ghidorah's heads. Um, all of the guardian monsters within the lore of this film had once attacked Japan in ancient times, but after they were killed and sealed away, the people prayed for their souls. According to prophecy, uh, this allows the monsters to return in a more heroic fashion. Mm. The... Either version that I have on this DVD isn't always great with explaining certain things, mm -hmm. so I wanted to clarify that plot point before okay. we got started. Um... So, this version of Godzilla has white pupils to denote that he's being spiritually possessed. <laughs> uh, so, and that's what's causing his villainous rampage. Mm. It becomes clear in the story that he is being possessed by all of the people who had died in the Pacific conflict. Oh, no. Uh, they had merged together with the remnants of the 1954 Godzilla, brought him back wow. to life, and mm. that is what this, this iteration is. Um... Uh, Kaneko uh, wanted his version of Godzilla to be a blend of supernatural and atomic monster elements, though the exact ratio between the two is kept ambiguous. So we don't know, you know, how much of this is like ghost power and how much of it is his original atomic power, but he does he does do things in relation to both. So he does still serve as the as like a, a symbol of of atomic power gone you know, awry, mm -hmm. but he is also embodying these negative spiritual elements as well. Uh, Kaneko has stressed that this incarnation of Godzilla is meant to be pure evil, uh, but that did not stop viewers from still rooting for him out of habit, because we're not used to situations where he's the outright bad guy. Mm. Um, at one point, the production team wanted this Godzilla to walk in a more Saurian fashion, like a T-Rex, uh, but that had to be scrapped for practicality, because you got a guy in that suit, he cannot retain a center of gravity, yeah. like, in a gigantic latex in thing, yeah. uh, with that posture. Mm -hmm. uh, the GMK suit still has a slight pot belly <laughs> as a holdover from that design. He it's was full of souls, Dan. This GMK, this, this, <laughs> this Godzilla was fat-shamed uh, frequently on the, on the boards. You know, it happens uh, to the best of us, it's but fine. But it, it is left over from the fact that he was supposed to walk more like a dinosaur. Yeah. Um, 
So did he do do Did he get on the floor though? He did, as a matter of fact. He walked like a dinosaur, yeah. Uh, this film <laughs> contains a very mild swipe at the 1998 American Godzilla film, uh, with the JSDF <laughs> doubting that a Godzilla actually attacked New York City. Um, as TV Tropes points out, however, this line actually reinforces that the current young generation in the JSDF has forgotten what Godzilla can do. Hmm. So that's a very much a recurring theme, is that the the disconnect between the older generation and the younger generation in terms of, like, the horrors that one generation experienced, new generations might forget about that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see. Uh, Godzilla Mothra and King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters All Out Attack, had its premiere at the 16th Tokyo International Film Festival on November 3rd, 2001. It was later uh, released theatrically in Japan on December 15th as a double feature with Hamtaro Adventures in Ham Hamland, wow. anime what a, legend. What a double feature that was. Just a legend in yeah. this industry. Uh, the film received mostly international... Uh, er, Received mostly critical acclaim internationally. Uh, it earned 2.7 billion yen against a budget of 1.2 billion yen, mm. making it the third highest grossing Japanese film of 2002. Uh, GMK is now considered among the best Godzilla films, and it received critical acclaim across the board. Mm. Uh, while the two previous Millennium Era films had underperformed at the box office, GMK revitalized the series enough to keep this era going for another few years. Mm. Um, so, lot there was a lot riding on it, and this, this film paid off. Just because of how okay. different it is, just because of the tone that it takes, the way that the monsters are presented, the kind of role reversal between mm -hmm. the heroes and villains... Yeah. It is, it is something special, and it is so immersed in, like, that folklore culture similar to Awakening of Iris that it is one of my favorites for that reason. Mm. Uh, but m more or less, the primary theme to keep in mind, and it is hammered pretty bluntly throughout mm -hmm. the movie, is remembering the past. Uh, if I try, Dan, but, if you've, you, know, you know, my mind's been addled so much lately. Forget where you came from, <laughs> if you forget culture, if you, uh, you know... If don't... we don't use these references, we lose these references, Dan. And there's also a lot of stuff about, like, you know, civilization overriding, like, uh, nature. Mm -hmm. You know, like, the guardian monsters are there to defend the land of Japan. They are not necessarily there to defend the cities or anything like that. Mm -hmm. They are defending the kingdom in the purest sense of the word mm. um so they might still knock shit over yeah basically um and again i would say as a secondary theme it's like the disconnect between younger and old people uh is another thing okay. uh, because there's we'll get a lot of scenes in the movie of people kind of dismissing the original 1954 godzilla attack even as similar disasters are recreated in the present day kind of showing oh it was a thing that happened we've mm -hmm. forgotten about it it is what it is. Hmm. Um, so, well, lots of things to deal with on that front. But any previewing expectations? I mean, these three aside from the new guy are my favorite monsters. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to see them all in a, a movie, and I'm glad to see that King Ghidorah gets from heel to hero. Yes. Uh, the plot line. I can't wait to see that as well. Mm -hmm. um, I'm interested. I know that I liked Iris a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoyed that film, so I want to see what a modern Godzilla-ish looks like. A more modern Godzilla. No, of course. Yeah. Uh, this is... I think, uh, you know, in terms of Awakening of Iris, this film has a very, very similar tone to okay. that. Um, 
And again, the Heisei films, when we go back in time to watch those, will also be an experience all to themselves. Um, but I figured it would be good to check out one of these Millennium-era ones uh, while I have the chance. Um, because you are going to see a lot of modern kaiju techniques in this. Uh, they're still using the rubber suits, wouldn't have it any other way, mm. um, but it is amplified by like a lot of animatronics and other special effects. Mm. Um, and that was, that was apparently one point of contention, if you can believe it, mm. uh, when they were looking to dub this film and release it in theaters here, the cigar-chomping executives stood up like, they're still using rubber suits, <laughs> and we will never decry rubber suits on no. this podcast. No. It, is, it is a hallmark. Uh, but, but yeah, so I, I do hope you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I'm sure I will. Okay. Mm. Well, uh, what, what was that? Did you hear? Oh. It sounded like a, a rock dropped into some water. Oh, water? <laughs> it's in some water. Water? Water. Water. King Ghidorah. <laughs> We are back, everyone, uh, having just watched Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, giant monsters all-out attack. Mm. Gotta make sure that all-out is in the right place. Yeah, you'll be writing the episode <laughs> description for this one. <laughs> um, but what did you think? Any initial thoughts? That was fine. Okay. It's a fine movie. Okay. Fine kaijus. I wish that the, uh, the other Godzilla kaijus got to do a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they do kind of get... Aside from Baragon, mm -hmm. uh, they do kind of get slighted here, but... Baragon had also been slighted in many film roles, yeah. you know, in the decades leading up to this. And oddly, this one had a lot of, like, the non-kaiju characters, just the, the people living their lives. And I felt it was a little bit too much. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that Yuri and Co. were some of the most enjoyable humans that we get no, in these no, movies. No, they were enjoyable. I just felt like they, they were there a bit too much. Uh, yeah. I wanted to see more of the monsters. Yeah. Um... But, uh, this is a, a personal fave of mine, mm -hmm. uh, but we will go through the plot yeah. and, uh, you know, chime in as you see fit. Yeah. Um, as we always do. Uh, so, we open on Admiral Taizo Taichibana of the JD, uh, JSDF, uh, Japanese Self-Defense Force. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's briefing a group of soldiers about the greatest threat that the country has ever faced in canon, which is uh, Godzilla. The 1954 course. Godzilla attack. As, as shown in the OG movie. Yeah, uh, and there's rumor in hearsay that Godzilla attacked New York, but they're yes, not buying it. That's what the American experts say, mm -hmm. but we're not... Uh, the, the JSDF doesn't quite believe it. Yeah. Um, in terms of the story that was told to the public in this continuity, uh, the JSDF was credited with defeating Godzilla. Mm -hmm. So it was considered a military victory, but we know from that movie that it was actually... Uh, Dr. Sarazawa and his um, oxygen destroyer yes. that were responsible for doing it. Um, so Tachibana warns that even though the 
creature was successfully defeated, the JSDF still needs to be prepared for another crisis, because he doesn't want them to get soft uh, in case, you know, doom is around the corner. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, uh, he receives a report that uh, a... American nuclear submarine has gone missing mm -hmm. off the coast of Guam. Mm -hmm. So this is in, like, international waters, I believe. So just to be to avoid an incident, uh, Japan dispatches its own submarine to go yeah. and investigate And then this. they sneak some sneaky peeks of it. Yes, they. the, the submarine comes across... The, the, well, the little submersible comes across the submarine. Mm -hmm. uh, it has been clawed to pieces. We know who would have yeah. done that. And they witness a dorsal fin glowing. There's some glowing dorsal fins mm -hmm. going behind... Dan uh, would need only that to know. Nearby stones, yeah. yeah I, but uh, I, the first time I saw this movie, it, it still stays with me as a pretty cool shot. That had been one of the first times we had seen that in a film where mm -hmm. you... You see his dorsal fins first, uh, but these these dorsal fins with a ghostly white glow are kind of going in and out behind, be, you know, between the rocks. And that subdiver is like it can't be. It's Godzilla, yeah. and we open on the title crawl. Mm -hmm. um, so meanwhile, uh, Yuri Tachibana, the admiral's daughter, yep. is filming a fake documentary about monsters yep. that supposedly live near Mount Miyoko. It's popular with the kids. It is. She's working for the BS Bullshit Network. Yeah, the BS Digital Cube. Yeah. The, they, Which took me half the movie to figure out. They film History Channel and or Travel Channel-esque shows about Ancient ghosts, aliens, yeah. hunting, you yeah. know, aliens, cryptids, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, and they, they are angrily approached by the mayor of the local village who doesn't want you know, the the village to be, you know, humiliated on TV uh, yeah. with fake stories. Affecting the tourism. There's but, no sharks in Amity Bay, Dan. Well, to your point, because yeah. you referenced the Blair Witch, yeah, because and... Yuri references the Blair mm -hmm. Witch, uh, Yuri kind of turns the tables and she points out, like, oh, well, there's lots of towns in America that are famous for, like, stories of witches and ghosts. If your uh, village was said to house a monster, then it would probably bring in a lot of tourism mm -hmm. bucks. And this is enough to convince the mayor to let them keep filming. Mm -hmm. uh, but obviously Yuri is kind of uh, not pleased with having to do this. She wants to yeah. do real... Not real journalism. Real journalism, but real, like, documentary work. Yeah. She wants to, like, actually get into the history of everything. Mm -hmm. And she notices an old crone watching her in the distance. Yeah, an old, an old mysterious, old man stares a lot, is out in the woods, um, and when Yuri looks back at him, he is gone, and this, this old man will be a recurring figure, uh, throughout the movie. Uh, that night, the, uh, the mayor is finoodling, he's got his mistress in the car with him, and he's, uh, bragging about how, you know, with this tale of Godzilla, that should be enough to, like, bring in the bucks for the village. He may even be a movie star. But uh, they are, you know, quickly bothered by a group of, of street toughs. <laughs> Bikers. A bu like a, the you know, classic Japanese, like, biker gang mm -hmm. comes to briefly, you know, terrorize them. Yeah, and destroy some sacred statues. And we know from Spirited Away Don't not do that. to Don't do that. Don't knock them over. Uh, but they are, like, disrespecting, you know, the, a lot of the, the ancient stuff in the area. And they kind of cruise their way up the highway, similar to the beginning scene of Cars. Mm -hmm. They are terrorizing this truck, uh, who's, you know, just trying to do, like, a night haul or whatever, mm -hmm. and they all go into this tunnel when an earthquake strikes. Yep. And with, like, the truck stops just before the tunnel, the bikers are caught in the cave-in, 
But the truck driver, horrified, yeah. sees a big red monster emerge from the rubble. Yeah. Uh, and it must and be Godzilla. Digging. Uh, and again, the first time I saw this, this was one of the first times that we had gotten, like, an underground, up-close face look at mm -hmm. one of these kaiju. So, again, th these the techniques employed here, I found them pretty cool when I watched the yeah. first time. So, mm -hmm. there, Dan just likes it when a monster is in frame. I do. That's it. Um, but they, uh, yeah, so, so the next day... They're kind of like getting his witness statement. Mm -hmm. He's, he says you know, there was a drill monster in there. It was red. It must be Godzilla. And we get the first look at the military uh, because they're trying to save the motorcyclists who were caught in the cave-in. Mm -hmm. They use these D-03 warheads that are sci-fi weapons. They have drills, rocket-powered, yeah. Tears of the Kingdom drills, drills power, like, attached to the front of them. So they can drill into the sides of the cave-in and yeah. open holes for rescue I workers. I guess important for later. Yes, very much so. Yep. Um, then Yuri wants to meet up in Kagoshima, mm -hmm. uh, where she hears some other things are going on. And meanwhile, at a lake town. Oh uh, well, we gotta okay. we gotta we gotta get to Yuri and her friends oh, first. Oh yeah, yeah, I don't know their names. I know one's Tachiban. No, Tachiban is her dad. Uh, the other guy. Uh, Tanaka, Tanaka. or Takeda. Takeda is the. I don't know uh, the third guy's name though. In this, as I told Dan, I have a problem with these Godzilla movies because I never remember the people's names. Well, yeah. The, well, the other dude is kind of a hanger on. Takeda yeah. is the is the the love interest. Like the yeah. Well, not not even really. She well, doesn't yeah. even really have yeah. a love interest. Uh, but Takeda is probably her best friend in this. Mm -hmm. uh, but Yuri is out with one of the BS Digital Q boys. Yeah, they go get uh, barbecue. And they're having some drinks, and she is, you know, kind of complaining that she doesn't get to, to do serious stories. You know, one, because she works at BS Digital Q, and two, because she's a woman, so she is not allowed to, like... Like, even if she wanted to, she can't, like, uh... Even if she asserts herself, the boss isn't going to let her do no. serious work. Um... So, again, uh... One of Yuri's friends, uh... Mitsuaki Takeda arrives... And tells Yuri about a legend involving three guardian monsters <laughs> that defended Japan in ancient times. And she gives he gives Yuri this book mm -hmm. uh, that covers the legend and has illustrations of some very familiar critters. Oh, we recognize them. Who we've seen in, in uh, before. Um, so, uh, presumably they party the night away. Yep. And Takeda has to bring Yuri home extremely drunk. Finding her father lives with her. So the, the Admiral is there, uh, he kind of grills Takeda, understandably, um, but, you know, he apologizes for Yuri's behavior, mm -hmm. and they just bring Yuri inside. Yeah. Uh, the next morning, um, we get, like, a little, a very professional exchange between Yuri and her father, where she's like, oh, I, I'm sorry for coming yeah, home I drunk. I was sloshed. I'm sorry, I'm the only one at wrong was me. And, you know, the... The Admiral is trying to pry, like, oh, are you, you know, I, I, I'm glad that your workplace is so nice, but, you know, it's a shame that you make such garbage. And Yuri's like, hmm, well, don't watch it then, what can I say? Uh, but, you know, they're, yeah, they're, they cute, seem happy. They have a yeah. good relationship. Yeah. Um, so they, uh... Well, the previous night at that lake town... Yeah, another incident occurs at Lake Akita. Yeah, where some teens are trying to drown a dog after robbing a convenience store. Well, they're very bad teens. Yeah. They they rob a convenience store, and then because a nearby, like, the guard dog keeps barking, who's a little Shiba, is barking at them, mm -hmm. uh, they decide to drown the dog. Uh, mm -hmm. he, the dog is fine. Yeah. We, Thank I, God. As I told Jonathan, yeah. the dog does not get 
hurt. Uh, but they, again, they break one of the small ceremonial statues yeah, that is on the lakeside. Beasts from underwater. And they, you know, before they can go and drown the dog, they are all, their, their boat is capsized and they are pulled under by a mysterious creature. Uh, when the teens on the lake react, or the lakeside react to this, uh, Mothra, in her larval form, as we recognize, emerges and scares them away. Yes. And there are little, like, visual clues in there, because, like, one of the teens that gets scared has a, uh, a like, a Loch Ness monster plush, mm-hmm. and there's signs up in the store and all over the place. So this had been, like, a... They had been using the legend of this lake as like a fake Loch Ness, mm-hmm. kind of. Like that had been the tourist trap mm-hmm. element of it there. Um, but we know it's Mothra. Yes. The uh, guardian of the water. The guardian of the water, yes. Marth- Mothra. So, uh, like, the next, when uh, Yuri and her father are having breakfast. They're watching the news and they see dog is safe. The dog is safe. Giant monster emerges from lake. Well, well, they don't know. They they know that people are dead. They yeah, they, people are trapped in big cocoons. Yeah. Or they're trapped <laughs> in webbing. Be? And, you know, unless it's related to a giant spider invasion of some sorts, yeah. we, we only know one thing that can make these webs. And the military still denying Godzilla. Yes. Yeah, Can't so, be. Similar to Shin Godzilla, we get, red. we get, like, a lot of, uh, like, military bureaucracy, where mm-hmm. it's like, we don't want to declare this an emergency just yet, we don't want to say it's Godzilla just yet, you know, at risk of panicking the public, so we're going to not initiate the Godzilla defense plan, uh, you know, until it's too late. Yes. So, um... Yuri Takeda and the other co-worker visit a police station in the area where the strange old man yeah. from the previous scene uh, had been detained for defacing shrines. Uh, Yuri meets with the man who claims that Godzilla will soon return to seek vengeance against Japan uh, mm-hmm. for all of, you know, the atrocities that occurred during the Pacific Conflict. Yeah. And he says that uh, Godzilla is inhabited by these souls. Yeah, Godzilla has been possessed by these souls, <laughs> and it's... In his, the old man's explanation, this Godzilla is a combination of not only nuclear power, which has granted him as a creature the ability to survive, you know, inordinate amounts of damage and and last for decades and mm-hmm. such, but he is also possessed by these these vengeful spirits who will drive him towards the goal of destroying Japan. Yes. Um, but again, we can't state with any certainty the the, the mix of it. Um, but it does give this Godzilla a reason to directly target Tokyo, mm-hmm. which I know you, 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 you japed about that briefly, but it is, some of the movies do attempt to explain that in, I think in the Heisei era, it's kind of hand-waved that that was his territory in ancient times, mm-hmm. so he's just instinctively going back to it, mm-hmm. uh, but in this one, he is vengeance-driven, uh, Hence the white eyes and everything. Yeah. So, to that end... The we... old man advises to go see Ghidorah. Seek yeah. him out. Because they're the not going... year old dragon. They have to go wake up the guardian monsters because man-made weapons are not going to be enough to stop this Godzilla. Um, so, uh, but in the Bonin Islands, the same place that Godzilla emerged in the original 1954 film... Some teams are reminiscing. Oh, there's just some old photos on the wall. Godzilla would make a cool pet. Yeah. They say. Then the earth starts a shaking. 
and uh, Godzilla, once again, in the same manner as that original movie, emerges creating a ty- during a typhoon and flattens the small, like, you know, Oceanside village that was there. Mm-hmm. Um, when the JSDF goes to investigate afterwards, the island is completely in ruins, and uh, they begin searching the waters around Japan for Godzilla. Uh, so Yuri and Takeda visit uh, Admiral Tachibana to tell him about the Guardian monsters, but he dismisses this story. Yes. Uh, we then get Tachibana kind of reflecting on his own childhood. Yeah, uh, because fleeing from Godzilla. He was present during the original Godzilla's original attack on Tokyo. He lost his parents in the chaos, uh, and he just remembers... Godzilla seeing him over the buildings as like the head of this devil filled with rage mm-hmm. just wiping everything out. So mm-hmm. he doesn't know how the younger generations can kind of treat this threat so flippantly. That is his main point of contention. Yeah. Um we also did get that scene of uh the three BS digital folks in mm-hmm. the woods. Mm-hmm. They were investigating the shrine that the old man told them to. Yeah. Um and we get like a spooky yeah. Ghost thing. Three sticks disappear. Three sticks disappear. Uh, and this is also where Takeda fills in that, you know, ideally these monsters would have had a thousand years to gather their power and then, uh, well, or 10,000 years, 10,000 years, my mistake, to gather their power and recharge and reform. Uh, you know, Ghidorah is supposed to be an eight headed Orochi, but he probably has some growing to yeah, do still. Only three. Um, but this also probably helps to explain why the other monsters are significantly underpowered compared to Godzilla. Mm. Um, so, in uh, the uh, Aokigahara Forest near Mount Fuji, mm-hmm. a quite an infamous location, um, a suicidal businessman tries to hang himself mm-hmm. uh, and in the process knocks over one of those little statues and yet falls again. falls into a crevasse. Kind of a rule of threes thing that yeah. happens here. Uh, he falls into a crevasse. And, like, he finds himself in an icy cave, and frozen in the ice is none other than than Ghidorah. Yep. Uh, its three heads are kind of the first thing that the man sees. Again, when I saw this movie, I thought that was pretty damn cool, because <laughs> we had never gotten that perspective mm. before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ghidorah is frozen, uh, you know, within this cave. Call him Miss Birdseye, because he's frozen. And the man panics and flees back to the nearby police station yeah. to report this. Um, so uh, when the man is like explaining this to the cops, it's this, this is the same police station where the mysterious old man is being held. Mm-hmm. Uh, an earthquake strikes yet again. Yeah. And as per all of the different military intelligence apparatuses, once again, the epicenter is moving. That's so this no earthquake, Dad. Some th- something is traveling underground. Um, so, the the red guardian monster, Baragon, emerges from the earth next to this police station and seemingly beckons the old man out of his cell. <laughs> he kind of waves. Yep. He does like a little, a little cute wink. Paw thing. Yeah. Baragon is very cute. Mm. Uh, even people in universe agree. They stop to take an early 2000 selfie, but they, they suffer for it. Yes. Um, because there is a conflict going on. Um... But uh, the news begins flooding in that this this big cute creature has Red emerged. Godzilla. Red Godzilla. Um, but no one knows what to make of it because that doesn't match Godzilla's usual identifiers. Yeah. 
there's a there's a curmudgeonly old fisherman mm-hmm. who's you know his his assistant is like oh they're spotting they spotted a red Godzilla and he's like uh, that's not the color he is keep get, tend the nets boy <laughs> keep fishing grandpa and sure enough Godzilla emerges more or less recreating what was played as a comedy scene in the 1998 Godzilla he's, movie he's got a few more pounds on him. Yeah, uh, he, he's 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 chunky, but yeah. again, he was designed. Didn't know they had a crispy to... cream at the bottom of the ocean, but... but that's what that's what that's what you got That's what you got to remember about these the big theropods. My brother actually went to a a museum exhibit recently where they have like a a realistic T Rex recreation set up, and they were chunkier than people <laughs> would think. They're not the Jurassic Park. They, no, like they they were lean. they were very much well. They were they were muscular, but Chunk. but chunkier chonkier if you will mm. birds mm. after like that type of body structure so you know e- even if they weren't uh you know they didn't look that imposing if you ran into one i would assume that you would be in trouble mm-hmm. but you know that was that was what they were going for with this godzilla but yeah. he does have a paunch yep. slightly yep. and he proceeds to attack the town making his b-route um to wherever baragon is yes uh, but uh, on the way he passes by a hospital he does you're like oh Friend of all children. There's a little girl in a hospital yeah. room, and we think that he safely passes the hospital, but then, nope, his tail takes it out. Yikes. And on the, when this movie is discussed online, that is considered one of the most evil things Godzilla has ever done. Yeah. He, he, that, that girl was freed in the clear, and he we, just swiped sure that hospital down. she didn't have down. it coming? Well who, well, who knows, but we yeah. don't have her backstory. Uh, but then we also get kind of a shot where, kind of overwhelmed by the crowd noise, Godzilla fires off his uh, atomic breath for the first time mm-hmm. in the film, and we get like a shot from a distance of school children <laughs> watching a mushroom cloud form yeah. in the distance that I found to be cinematique. Yeah. But uh, the, the peanut gallery may say otherwise, uh, but I'm I found it to be. I'm not going to say nothing. Yeah. Who am I to judge cinema, Dan? Uh, so I'll do that on my episode. <laughs> at the very least, they uh, you know they kind of see that based on their paths, Baragon and Godzilla will kind of uh, convene at this spa resort where these cable cars are going up to a volcano, mm-hmm. um, and they, kind of like a big open pit for Baragon and uh, Godzilla to fight in. Yeah. When they finally, the two monsters finally collide. Uh, Baragon is notably much smaller mm-hmm. than Godzilla. And this, this wasn't a good matchup. No, it wasn't. Um, which, again, which was it, when this movie was kind of designed to be the three lizard-esque kaiju facing Godzilla, it would have, you know, it would have made the situation feel a little bit more stressful than mm-hmm. it does, perhaps, at the end. But, uh, as I, as I told you, um, a very petite woman was in the Baragon suit. Yes. Uh, and... They 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 done that a handful of times in the past to represent smaller kaiju, but in this case, Baragon's suit actress was a very petite woman to kind of just emphasize that Godzilla like dwarfs this other monster. Mm-hmm. Um, Baragon tries to put up a fight. He's you know kind of using the earth to his advantage. He's digging holes around Godzilla, causing him to trip yeah. and fall in. But there's not much damage he can do no. uh, head on, and he's decimated by the atomic breath. Yes, he tries to, he try, at first he tries to climb up to the resort area to, you know, make a lunge with his horn at Godzilla, but Godzilla swats him away uh, into the other side of the canyon wall, corners him, 
and then cute Baragon is wiped <laughs> decimated. out. Decimated. Uh, you know, in the same vein as Cell, he yeah. is just eradicated to atoms. Um, but we do see that he disappears in kind of like a magical sparkle effect. Mm-hmm. So something else is going on, but Baragon has been defeated, and Godzilla thus proceeds to Tokyo. Yes. Uh, they send a few fighter jets to try to stop him, um, but that is unsuccessful. In fact, we get even little shades of some of the pilots panicking because they, you know, this was the first thing that they ever had to do. Mm-hmm. They were not ready mentally or whatever to face Godzilla, so they start panicking and coming to pieces before Godzilla takes them out with his mm-hmm. atomic breath. Mm-hmm. Um, Yuri, meanwhile, after surviving the like resort area collapse, has ventured off on her own to pursue Godzilla for yep. the sake of filming him and and bringing this coverage to the internet. Because she gets a bike, I, gets I, her DVD and internet set up. Yes, which which was probably a big deal tech-wise at the time, but they did have it. Again, and Japan probably had that before we did. Because if you'll recall, when, when Pokemon Crystal was out, they had the little internet phone receivers and everything. Yeah. So it's not out of the question that some of this, as you spotted, you spotted a DVD player mm-hmm. doing something mm-hmm. as like a fake little... Broadcasting television. Yeah, television, man. but so some parts... From a car. Some parts were BS'd, yeah. but other parts... Probably true. Yeah. Well, they're um, the bargain basement of the uh, the airwaves, so... Yeah, bargain basement of the airwaves. Uh, but Yuri is kind of, you know, documenting Godzilla's rampage across the countryside, leading to Tokyo. Um, and it's a kind of a recurring thing that maybe Yuri doing this is a way for future generations to remember what's going on here. Yeah. Because there wasn't anyone recording the previous Godzilla, but maybe this time people remember the severity of it. Uh, if she can get this all on camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, both Mothra and Ghidorah awake. They do. Uh, Mothra emerges from her cocoon. Her boob cocoon. Big boob-shaped cocoon. Um, and they, uh, and then the old man manages to free uh, Ghidorah from his frozen prison. And the old man is that, like, I think that's the last time we yeah. see him. Dead. Um, so Ghidorah, you, you thought he looked quite goofy head on. From the front, he looks dumb. From the side profile, it's better. Yeah, he has a very, uh, if you remember how the Orochi looked in, uh, in Okami, he kind of has the same horn design Mm -hmm. as that. It's like the classic Orochi painting, uh, look to him. Uh, but then we also get some more clarification while the Admiral is talking with his superiors, and his superiors confirm, like, no... The, the defeat of Godzilla the first time was not a military victory. There was a scientist who used an unknown chemical compound to kill him. We lost all records of it since, but we had to tell the public that the military did it or else they would have, like, mm-hmm. you know, lost faith in us and they would have lost faith in our ability to keep protecting them. Um, so that kind of, for, like, prompts the Admiral to say, okay, maybe we have to keep trying unconventional things maybe we do have to maybe rely a little bit on faith and folklore and a combination of things to defeat this this creature this time so godzilla's trekking to tokyo he is as he often does and he's about to attack the city when who should appear but my gal mothra mothra yeah and there is a confrontation between them where she tries to quell the beast through speaking yeah they they shout at each other and (laughs) once again godzilla is not listening so mothra goes you know what you're gonna get a backside of this wing and that's about it 
Well, yeah, she manages to, like, latch on to him. Take a few slashes at him while flying by, but she also has, like, she launches poison stingers this time, which (laughs) mildly annoy Godzilla. Poison sting, yeah. Uh, Godzilla's a little annoyed by it. Uh, And in, like, the the course of uh, Godzilla facing Mothra with his atomic blast, he wipes out a good portion of the city, chasing after Mothra, and Yuri is almost injured yet again. Mm. And this time, you know, after coming back from that, she is detained by the military police yeah. uh, for being in an active, you know, yeah. crisis zone. Watching in horror as these monsters duke it out. So, uh, then we, you know, the JSDF had stationed numerous battleships within Tokyo, within the Yokohama Harbor, so that, uh, you know, they could just try to chip away at Godzilla, but none of the fancier drill missiles that they've been using are having any effect. Uh, Godzilla gets a little pissed, and he takes out basically every artillery unit and every other battleship besides the one that Tachibana is on. Mm -hmm. Uh, As he is approaching that battleship, Mothra appears to provide (laughs) a distraction. Take the beam. Uh, she is swatted away, uh, but then Ghidorah <laughs> arrives on the scene yeah. to face Godzilla. Mm-hmm. But he is he is tiny. He is easily defeated. He he yeah. does not have his full-grown wings. He's a much smaller Ghidorah. Doesn't quite have his gold sheen yet. No. Uh, but he is only really able to, like, latch on to Godzilla with his heads and then deliver, like, an electric charge, mm-hmm. which if you were... If you were listening intently, they used that same electric charging effect that Pokemon Stadium used mm-hmm. back in the day. It's like, must be a stock electricity Sound. effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's all he can, he can deliver a static shock Great. to Godzilla. Yeah, wonderful. Um, but can't hurt him that well. Uh, so Godzilla kind of like kicks his ass. Godz- uh, Ghidorah is like toppled onto a building and yeah. is seemingly laying there unconscious. Mothra takes another beam. Mothra takes a point-blank beam yeah, to and, Ghidorah's corpse. and is wiped out yeah. in the process. Well, she transforms into spores well, or magical particles. Gold dust, yeah, yeah, yeah par- pe- like little like magic particles. Gold dust woman. I'll, and uh, she transfers her back. essence into Ghidorah, allowing him to revive with his wings <laughs> fully grown, bigger, with a golden aura. And as Yuri says, King Ghidorah. King Ghidorah, the god of the sky. And he also now has access to, like, his, like, uh, you know... Yeah. He has Rafelga unlocked. Yeah, he has... <laughs> yeah, yeah, Reflectga. <laughs> Godzilla attempts to... He's got the Ga-level spells now, so he's ready to take on Godzilla. Godzilla attempts to beam him, but yeah. King nope. Ghidorah Reflectga's it, and... Behind seven proxies, so can't reach him. You know, takes the attack and throws it back at him, <laughs> and Godzilla is knocked into the harbor. And yeah. again... That was one of the first times we've seen a monster do that in one of these movies. So again, so Danto was pretty cool. I did in terms of innovation. <laughs> this was a this was a, a pretty cool thing. Monster fallen pond, yay! So uh, Godzilla is in the bay now, and uh, Ghidorah goes in to you know fight him yeah. or try to drown him. Mm-hmm. While this is going on, Tachibana decides that he and another small submarine will go into the bay as well to try to get a more direct hit on Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get, like, a brief radio conversation with Yuri, yeah. uh, because she's in a military jeep, and uh, she is basically given carte blanche to, you know, film go and film still, yeah. this, because 
Tachibana agrees that this should be caught on camera so that, like, the rest of Japan and the world can see what's mm-hmm. going on here. And she's commentating on this bridge, overlooking the battle underwater. Yes. Um, she's gonna win all the awards for BS. Yes. Um, but then the, the building is attacked. Yes, well, Godzilla is, yeah. is like, in a frenzy launching beams from under the water. And, and destroys the bridge. Destroys the yeah. bridge. Uh, while Yuri is hanging over the side, she drops one small stone fragment that she had uh, Oh yeah, this mystical- We forgot about this mystical stone. A secret stone. The MacGuffin. If you've been playing Tears of the Kingdom, you'll know about yeah, secret stones. Secret stones. Uh, but it falls into the water, and it reconnects with Ghidorah, <laughs> seemingly providing- uh, That's all he needed. The last bit of yeah. spirit charge that he That needed. stupid stone that was found on the earth. Well- to be clear, it was it was being it was established that uh, it was playing into kind of like the I think it's like the shamanist type of mm-hmm. folklore where stones kind of maintain spiritual energy, okay. like they're records of spiritual energy. Yeah. So the old man, old man stares a lot, had been <laughs> going around breaking these stones open to mm-hmm. release that energy into the guardian monsters, mm-hmm. um, and that had been the final piece, presumably needed for. Ghidorah's full reawakening. So, uh, with this newfound power, Ghidorah is able to use his famous gravity beams, the lightning attack that he is well known for. Uh, his, like, signature chirp also yeah. becomes more more audible, mm-hmm. uh, and he launches, like, a second wave of attacks onto Godzilla. Yeah. Um, at this point, the Admiral notices that Godzilla has been wounded oh, on wound. his shoulder. Yeah. So, similar to Smog, some scale has been chipped away. And Godzilla does have an injury now. Yes. Um, so they're going to focus on that. Uh, even with his newfound power, Ghidorah is not... Oh, and Ghidorah saves Yuri and mm-hmm. Takeda. He, yeah, he, he bubbles. Yeah, he uses <laughs> air bubbles to kind of cushion it's their the bubbles into the water <laughs> and save them. Um, but uh, even that is, is, you know, even with Ghidorah's newfound power, he is not strong enough to stop Godzilla. And nope. Godzilla eradicates him after absorbing yeah. the electricity from Ghidorah's lightning attacks. And I went, oh no. Uh, which which Godzilla has done in past movies. He We know that he can, you know, he can be a capacitor when he feels like mm-hmm. it. Um, but the spirits of all three Guardian monsters, Baragon, Mothra, and Ghidorah now as well, uh, kind of stay behind and charge at, at Godzilla, merging with his own corrupted spirit and start pulling him to the bottom of the ocean, presumably to to drown him, or they know what the Admiral is doing and are trying to give the Admiral yeah. an opening. The um, Admiral says, I watched that one episode of Magic School Bus, I know exactly what to do. He he goes, he charges his submarine right into Godzilla's mouth. Yeah. Uh, Gets chomped. Inside Godzilla, very empty. Yeah, very empty. Yeah, not a lot yeah. going on in there. Looks like a PlayStation tube effect, but yeah, yeah it's a big throat. So, uh, a deep throat. So, Godzilla is, uh, you know, approaching Yuri and uh, Takeda, like, on the shore. Uh, Yuri kind of, on, like, a spiritual sense, reaches out to the Admiral. The Admiral kind of, like, has a vision of her, and his submarine kind of clicks back on, and it kind of gives him the resolve to finish the mission. And he fires off the drill missile from inside Godzilla. It bursts out the side of the other side of his injured neck and when Godzilla goes to deliver one final atomic blast upon yeah. Yuri uh, the the attack does not work it blows out his neck yeah. 
Um, and shouldn't have smoked as many cigarettes, Godzilla. Yeah, he's got that stoma, and yeah. it, he, you know, in pain, falls back into the water. Uh, you know, the the admiral has narrowly escaped in his submarine uh, from out, presumably from out of the injury. Yeah. And uh, Godzilla attempts to take him out, but in doing so, in charging one final blast, he blows himself up, and he disappears from the radar. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Admiral emerges safely, uh, and he kind of gives a salute to, uh, you know, not only all of his colleagues and fellow soldiers, but to the the Guardian monsters themselves. And BS Digital Q has experienced an upsurge in popularity. Yeah. We're going to film a special! Yeah, and, and Yuri is probably like a celebrity now. Yeah. But we should note that Old Man Stares a Lot was actually found to be a professor, yeah. but he had died hmm. around the time of the first Godzilla attack. Who could that be? So he could have been a ghost the yeah. entire time. Yeah. Uh, and with that, uh, you know, Japan peace has been restored to Japan, mm-hmm. but... Underneath Tokyo Harbor, we see that Godzilla's heart still remains and is beating. Yeah. Uh, which was never followed up because these movies didn't have sequels. Right. But yeah. uh, it, it's just to show that this, this Godzilla might truly be unstoppable. Mm-hmm. So Lives that on. is the conclusion. Well, with that, uh, it was enjoyable, Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, I like seeing our favorite monsters. As I said, I enjoyed Ghidorah. For what little he did, being the hero of his own story for mm-hmm. once. He got to shine bright like a diamond. He did. Yeah, I, I liked your Molman. Yes. <laughs> and got I to li- see Paragon. Everyone I, gets to see Paragon. I liked the little reference to the 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 twins. Yes. That wasn't mentioned. While Mothra's flying over Japan, we get a close-up on these twins. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, they know what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. yeah. I This, this movie is kind of, like, special in terms of them because... In turn, like especially for Ghidorah, Mothra, and Baragon, they really give them the type of design again to, to reiterate from what I said at the beginning, like the design of like Japanese statues and mm-hmm. artwork. They it probably would have been much more pronounced with uh, if Angaris and uh, Varan had gotten these roles, but they they very clearly managed to pull it off with Ghidorah and his like Orochi heads. Baragon, his entire, like, the contours of the suit design and everything look like the Shisa statues that, you know, King Caesar was based off of, mm. and, uh, or based on, I should say, and so it, it's cool for those elements. We don't get to see that very often. We don't get to see a folklore side no. of Godzilla very often. That's usually been Gamera's thing, so it was just very, very cool to see, in mm. my opinion. So I do hope that everyone will check it out. Or at least go check out, uh, you know, the original plans and stuff, and then compare them to the final version mm-hmm. and such. Yeah. Uh, but you don't need to see anything else besides the original to get this movie. And so you don't need to support BS. It. We already exist. So yeah, the bargain basement of anime of podcasting. Podcast. That's us. Yeah. Yep. So uh, <laughs> before we tease next week, mm-hmm. uh, is there anywhere that our audience can reach you? Uh, you can find me, John Krakowski, at Losing My Mind JK on the Instagram and the TikTok, and you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Drink and Read JK. Um, you can also follow my podcast, including Nightcaps at the Theater and Drink and Read the Podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at King underscore Danis, as well as our adjacent Anime Was Not a Mistake podcast, Instagram, and Facebook pages. Mm-hmm. 
and you know, next week, Dad, it's my birthday. It is. <laughs> but that doesn't really tie into this movie. Going to be three um, and a half years yeah, old. I'm going to be three and a half years old, and that's it. Um, <laughs> we're continuing Anna Masterpiece with a movie that I had discovered this year that the internet and film connoisseurs all over have been... Uh, trying to shove down my throat, literally. Mm-hmm. It's a film about food, Dan, so okay. I hope you come with an appetite, uh, ready to eat and enjoy the spirit of Japanese cooking. Um, I'm not going to reveal anything, but... Of course, you've been hyping this up for some time, so I, I'm excited to I, see what it is. I think it's going to be one of Dan's favorite films. It's a classic. I love it. It's one of the top-rated Japanese movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to see them, you know, how Dan, you know, he may be able to swallow it oh, yeah. <laughs> for once. Yeah. Dan swallows. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was going to make a Godzilla joke, but now you just made it terrible. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> King Ghidorah it. is what I say. <laughs> see you then. Here at Anime Was Not a Mistake, we have one mission. Whether you be a magical girl, a giant fighting robot, a raccoon, or just a fan of podcasts in general, we hope to one day arrive at a definitive answer to the following question. Is anime a mistake? While we obviously don't think so, there's no harm in expanding our weave horizons now, is there? As of late, our humble little show is devoted to the analysis and discussion of movies, series, and episodes that show off that powerful art that is animation. However, none of this would be possible without listeners like you. If you like what you hear on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and more, then why not support us on Instagram at Anime Was Not a Mistake Podcast or on Facebook at Anime Was Not a Mistake Pod. We promise to go happies on the sake with you. Join us, won't you? This time and the next. And with that, Dan and I leave you with a to be continued as the chill anime beats play. Sayonara. Mucho, mucho, mucho Tanto como entonces Siempre hasta morir